0: It's late afternoon at the Navy Special Warfare Center in Coronado, California. Lindsay is running in formation with a group of soldiers going through Bud's training. The entire group is wearing military fatigues and bright red life jackets. The men are trying to keep pace. They all look exhausted and depressed. The group comes to a halt at a mound of sand breaking formation as the soldiers begin to descend into an obstacle course. At the start, soldiers are forced to crawl beneath barbed wire. Live-action rounds are fired overhead, while nearby drill officers are shouting obscenities. You want to sit and rest, maggot? Lindsay is trying to cross a mud pit on a tightrope. He falls and is forced to wade through thick sludge. He keeps going nonetheless.
1: Move, soldier!
0: Tired soldiers are wearily falling over large climbing walls. Lindsay's face is entirely caked with mud and sand. After completing the course, he looks for his group and begins to run towards them. The other six members are waiting, holding up a large inflatable boat.
1: With Lindsay in at the back, the group of soldiers run towards the ocean using every ounce of strength they have left. With a strong tide and heavy load, the group struggles to make any headway as they hit the water. Berating calls from drill instructors can be heard floating along the waves.
2: Do you miss your mom? You want a blanket?
1: Out of nowhere, a wave comes crashing down, flipping the boat. One by one, silhouettes begin to pop out from beneath the waves. The soldiers manage to flip the boat over and mount it. However, Lindsay is still underwater, his arm tangled up on a safety line. He's desperately trying to free himself, but the motion of the waves works against him. Running out of breath, he makes one final attempt, but he cannot break loose. Right before he passes out, Multiple hands reach down, grabbing onto his life jacket. Lindsay is lifted into the boat.
0: Back at Lindsay's apartment, Lindsay opens his eyes in bed and stares at the ceiling fan above him, a cold sweat running down his forehead. After a few minutes of replaying the dream in his head, he sits up on the edge of his bed and stretches. Loud cracking sounds emanate from his joints. He is wearing an old wife beater and boxers. He gets up, walks into his kitchen, and preps his coffee pot. Lindsay turns on the radio and proceeds into the bathroom to piss and shower. His body is riddled with scars.
1: Some more bad news for Tanya Harding today. Oh, boo-hoo! Yes, after her tough fall while practicing last week, Harding was, of course, followed by reporters to the parking lot outside, where her
0: car refused to start.
1: (laughs) Ouch! Lindsay gets up from the kitchen table, drops his coffee mug in the sink, and turns off the radio. He goes into his bedroom, putting some workout gear in a duffel bag when his phone rings. He doesn't answer, but the machine picks it up.
0: Lindsay! It's Michael. I just got off the phone with Paramount. Looks like everything is a go with Andreas's next movie. They want you for the same deal as last time. But here's the good news, buddy. I was able to get an extra 10 large. Mr. America is making a lot of money for them right now, so I figure why not weasel a bit more out of them. I expect to have the contract in my hands within the next 24 hours. I'll need you to come in and sign by the end of the week. Please call me back.
1: Casper has called Loza over to his place. It's a temporary apartment, a very simple place with only minimal furniture. Casper's garbage bag with his prison belongings is sitting on the floor by the door. Loza is just walking
0: in. Casper is nervous and clearly distracted he sits down on a desk chair and puts his hands together. Look, homie. I made a little mistake.
1: A mistake? What the fuck you talking about?
0: To be honest, I was getting kind of angry. I didn't want to wait for payback on those fools that fucked with Puppet and Spider. What did you do, son? You know I ain't trying to act behind your back, Loza. Get to it. So me and my boy were outside the bar talking to some chica. She was something else, Loza.
1: Casper and his homie Benito are talking to a Mexican chica in a back parking lot behind a bar. She's smoking a cigarette and leaning against a brick wall while Casper and his friend are trying to flirt with her. So I said, fuck you, Holmes. Started beating his ass. He cried like a little girl.
0: The chica doesn't seem impressed. She keeps smoking and looking around, half bored. She don't care about shit like that, Casper says. I can tell. You're above all that street shit, aren't you? She nods slightly. She's got real smart eyes. Like there's something deeper going on there. Huh, girl? She shrugs her shoulders.
1: You ask me... All girls want the same things. They want a man with money, and a man with balls. A man that'll give them what they need, huh girl?
0: Two Italian guys pop around the corner and approach the group. They're clearly drunk and lively. Whoa, look at this! Check out the talent, Johnny! Hey, I bet you're a real good swimmer.
1: How are we doing, darling? They call me Hollywood. He extends his hand.
0: What's up, boys? Casper says.
1: Nothing to you. Just saying hello to this fine young thing.
0: Did you say it? I think you did. Oh, we started to say it
1: when we were rudely interrupted.
0: Why don't you fucking move on, boys?
1: That's not very friendly of you guys.
0: Yeah. What if we're okay right here? The Italian man, Rosso is his name, opens his jacket to show them a gun in his waistband. Oh. So you want to play like that, Slick, huh? You want to fucking mess with us like that?
1: The girl throws her cigarette down and runs off as Casper pulls out a gun. He shoots Hollywood three times in the chest as Hollywood falls over and moans. (laughs) Casper's friend, Benito, Looks surprised for a moment, then grabs a metal fence stake from the ground and nails Rosso in the head as he collapses immediately. Casper and Benito quickly look around them as both Italians are on the ground, Hollywood seemingly dead and Rosso unconscious.
0: Back at Casper's apartment, Loza just heard the story. You fucking kidding me, puta? Loza, they were asking for it, man. You asking for it, boy. I'm sorry, Hefe. Those greasy fucks tried to step in front of my girl.
1: So you fucking walk away. We play this the right way, not like them trash do.
0: Casper's bedroom door opens and Rosso <laughs> runs out, his hands still tied and mouth gags still on. He runs as fast as he can towards them, as Loza kicks him in the stomach and he falls straight to the ground. Loza looks angrily at Casper. Embarrassed and unsure what to say, Casper walks to the wall and kicks it. Fuck!
1: Cabron, tie that fucker up. Get your shit together. Wait for my order. Loza starts to leave. You better fucking pray this doesn't fuck the whole thing up.
0: Casper lowers his head in shame as Loza walks out and slams the door. He looks down at Rosso, passed out on the floor.
1: PCO is sitting at his desk, staring at a whiteboard with a bunch of pictures and notes on it. An agent walks up to his desk, throws down a file. Here's that file on the rhino murders you were asking about. I had to pull a few strings with the local PD. PCO grabs the file and begins thumbing through.
0: Agent Benson, you're the fucking man. I don't care what anyone says. So I take it you've had a look? I might have
1: glanced at it.
0: Any leads on the two asswipes who fled the bathroom?
1: Pretty much a dead end. We only got a vague description. makes sense that these two bit off more than they could chew and probably left town.
0: What did the witnesses have to say?
1: That's the kicker. No one at the Rhino's talking. Detectives been down there trying every which way and no one said a word.
0: So what you're saying is that place is selling more than just beer and gonorrhea.
1: Well, word on the street is those friends of yours down at Leo's gym own a piece of it.
0: Fuck. Well, what about our border hoppers in the car? And don't tell me something I already know.
1: This is where things get really interesting. Those two guys, Pedro Martinez, a.k.a. Spider, and Delmont Batista, a.k.a. Puppet, both run with Loza Alvarez. Did run, I should say. Local PD pulled their mugshots, and it turned out they matched a description given by the neighbor of Terry and John Stone.
0: Now we're getting somewhere. Did they cross-reference their prints with the ones from the house?
1: Take a look for yourself.
0: Well, I'll be damned. Both our taco heads and waste bags were at the Stone residence.
1: Prints from one of the guys on the toilet match the weapon used to kill terry stone everyone here is connected in some way i'd say all this information is worth a pretty penny probably enough for a uh, steak dinner and drinks
0: i'll tell you what agent benson i'll let you blow me at our next office party how does that sound another agent walks up to the desk
1: hey carter daniels wants a word with me Do you speak English or are you just stupid? Yeah, you. He's waiting for you in his office right now. PCO walks down the hall to meet Daniels. PCO knocks on the door. He finds Daniels reading a case file and pacing back and forth. Agent Carter, please take a seat.
0: Yes, sir. What can I do for you?
1: Well, I've been reviewing your files on the L.A. Crime Syndicate. Your latest reports show that our guy has been at this for two years. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Two years now. And what do you really have to show for it? To be honest, I don't see any hard evidence. Taking some photos, put together a great story. But what do you really have that's going to get a conviction?
0: Well, sir, if you look closely, we've managed to connect the Italian crime family from Nevada to the drugs being smuggled in from the cartel in Mexico. Our findings indicate that just about every ounce of heroin making its way into California stems from this operation. And we've just had some recent news that ties those rhino murders to the death of my car dealership guy.
1: Is that right? I'm going to be blunt with you, Agent Carter. The Bureau's getting pinched from up above. Seems like your pal Clinton doesn't think we offer a good return on investment. The FBI can no longer afford to have agents out in the field goofing around on the taxpayer's
0: dime. Agent Daniels, with all due respect, sir. You either get
1: me something tangible or I'll be forced to close this investigation.
0: But sir, if we speed things up, we risk putting our asset in jeopardy.
1: Did I not make myself clear, Agent Carter? Yes, sir. We learned how John's friend Eddie made the introductions and urged John to act and do something about his failing car dealerships.
0: John may have been timid at first, but having no other option, he said yes and began working with the Italians and the Mexicans.
1: Eddie and John went to the horse races a few times last month, but they hadn't seen each other for a couple weeks now. One day, Eddie got a big payday, so he called John up and they went out to a high-end sushi place. Restaurant Sakura was a bit of a secret. They didn't even have a sign and it was invitation only. Somehow or other, Eddie managed to get in and become an occasional big spender there. John and Eddie are sitting alone at a corner table with no other guests in the restaurant.
2: Yeah, I got a black market seafood guy. What? I can get endangered species. Okay, I don't often do it, I don't need no penguin or seal or whatever they are. But you want to try the dangerous blowfish? Okay, let's do it.
1: Eddie, I never said that. You brought it up. I was just asking about what
2: it was. Johnny, a little blowfish always makes the day better.
1: I'm not going to eat fucking blowfish, Eddie. I don't need my meal to be a game of Russian roulette. They don't actually have it here, do they?
2: It's an off-menu item, my boy. They don't always have it, but the chef is very experienced. It's all he did back in Japan. Excuse me. Misogu-san? Oh,
1: they had it. Just by chance, they had it. It was special ordered, and the customers, some wealthy Middle Eastern tourists, chickened out. So, after a couple bottles of warm sake and a selection of sushi... The chef himself brought out the main course.
2: Whoa, chef! Eddie says. This looks beautiful, doesn't it, John?
1: Yes, absolutely. Looks great.
2: To die for, am I right?
0: This one's all you, Ed. The Japanese fugu absolutely is a delicacy when it's prepared right. But the liver, the skin, and ovaries contain a potent neurotoxin. In fact, the liver alone has enough of this toxin to kill up to 30 people. It can paralyze motor nerves, and serious cases can lead to respiratory arrest and death. That's when it's prepared wrong.
1: Uh, Here we have Fugu
2: sashimi and tetchiri hot pot with fugu and vegetables. Chef Masogu-san, if this is my last meal,
0: I'll die with a smile on my face. The chef bows slightly and goes back into the kitchen.
2: Eddie
1: and John enjoy the food, talking and laughing. John stayed away from the blowfish for a while, leaving Eddie to mow it all down. Well, maybe I'll just try a little piece.
2: Yes, my boy!
0: Cross on over to the dark side! John tried some of the fugu sashimi, and he liked it. Then he tried some of the tachiri with fugu in it. He went goo-goo over that fugu until he was full.
1: Oh, boy, that was a lot. And Jesus Christ, it was good. But I hope it doesn't kill me. But Eddie was still hungry.
0: Misogu-san, excuse me. The chef comes back out of the kitchen.
2: Is uh, everything okay, sir? Chef, you've outdone yourself. Oh, it was too perfect.
1: The fugu?
2: It was lip-smacking good. Now, chef, I've heard that the fugu liver is the most delicious part
1: oh liver yes yes very delicious would you like the liver sir but eddie you said the liver
2: yes my good man misogu san bring out the liver
1: the chef pauses a brief moment uh as you wish sir you're crazy eddie john says don't push your luck
2: hey maybe we already ate the poison what it's possible you knew it was a risk if you don't feel horrible in five to six hours you'll be fine
1: john exhales and sighs the chef brings out the liver ah here we are the fugu liver
0: amazing eddie edges the plate towards john
1: no no no
0: eddie I'm done okay okay I'll go first he pulls the plate over
2: Oh, oh oh it's oh wow it's so good John
0: wow Eddie delicately picks up the fugu with chopsticks and takes another piece after a few minutes of him enjoying it there's
2: almost a tingling in my lips Ooh, wee I'm hooked this is good, Johnny. I'm floating.
1: That's good, Eddie. That's good. Eddie goes on to finish it all. He sighs contently and sits back in his chair.
2: My whole body is getting numb from flavor. Johnny. How much sake did we drink?
1: Eddie starts to slowly bend over, mindlessly staring ahead with his mouth partially open. Eddie!
2: Oh, shit! John, I, I want you to blow my body up with dynamite. Eddie! Eddie!
1: Come on, you're gonna be fine.
2: I'm buzzing, buddy. Like a Massage chair And I ain't plugged in But that fugu Best I ever had Johnny Fucking rock and roll
1: Eddie's head bows down And he slumps over in his seat Just then the chef comes out of the kitchen Sees Eddie keeled over And drops his tray of drinks Ah No The liver chef John says No, but I had. The chef starts to wobble around, losing his balance and holding the wall. His knees buckle under him and he falls to the ground.
0: John, along with the single dishwasher, made it out of there alive. Eddie, I guess you could say, died as he lived. He took a risk, he went a little wild, a little overboard, and he enjoyed the hell out of it. We actually sat down with Eddie for a full interview, and it was enlightening. Maybe someday we'll release those tapes. Today we honor the world's first legendary hero! His scientific advances gave us the power to turn carbon into heavier elements. His theory brought us farther as a race, the human race that is, Herbert Needlemeyer. How did you do it?
1: It all comes down to good time management. That's right folks, I, Herbert Needlemeyer, saved countless hours by using Hansen's lifetime grout. With traditional grouts lasting only 12 to 15 years, it's like I was always babysitting the grout. Hansen's gave me more time for my research, and now all of mankind has benefited. Let us reach to the stratosphere, to the limits of our solar system, and to the great beyond, with Hansen's.
0: Hansons puts those thermal sets, epoxies, and urethanes to shame. Think you're gonna find a better grout than Hansons? Not in this lifetime.
1: Rachel walks into a coffee shop. Most of the tables are occupied with people hanging out, talking, or reading. There's no one in line, so Rachel walks up to the female barista and orders. The barista is about Rachel's age, she's the only one making drinks while her male colleague is cleaning cups and dishes.
0: Hi, welcome to the coffee conundrum. What can I get for you?
1: Um, something strong please. Rough day so far? Rough month, too many auditions.
0: You an actress? Yeah
1: well sort of uh i'll just have a small latte please i don't want to waste your time
0: the barista starts to prepare rachel's drink it's no problem we all got time my boyfriend's an actor actually
1: ah okay
0: so i've heard the horror stories plenty of rejection all that
1: I guess everyone goes through it. Are you also in the movie business?
0: Me? No. I'm trying to open up a natural healing center. Chinese medicine, spirituality, yoga, that kind of thing. I'm a trained masseuse. Oh, that's so cool. Hey, Edward. It would be really stellar if you could get me some more soy milk. The barista hands Rachel her latte. Rachel gives her a $5 bill. I'm Liz. I'm Rachel. Nice to meet you. Hey, I was about to take a smoke break. You wanna join me?
1: Uh, Okay, sure. A couple minutes later, outside the coffee shop. I can't believe you were a stargazer. My dad had all these UFO flying saucers comics. That's the first thing I really remember about it. Oh yes,
0: my friends at school thought my parents were crazy. Me too. A group of five people walk into the coffee shop. Shit, I should probably go. Hey, stop back again will ya? I'm here every day except Monday and Tuesday.
1: Okay, cool. I will. Liz starts to leave. Nice to meet you. You too, Rachel.
0: Max and Trevor walk into Hollywood Dreams gift shop. They notice Farad is busy at the counter, helping the customer, so they pretend to be shopping. They stop at the LA Attractions kiosk. Do you think people actually see celebrities on these tours?
1: Dude, remember my uncle used to run one of those deals like six years ago?
0: You never said anything like that, dude. Did he ever see anybody?
1: Fuck no. He wasn't making any money, pretty much living out of the tour bus. I know one day, he was drinking with my dad and some friends. One of the guys mentions how he keeps getting stopped in the streets because he looks like Harrison Ford. So my uncle asked him if he wanted a job, and he paid the guy to walk down a certain street every hour. It worked so well, my uncle started taking homeless people that sort of resembled a movie star, cleaning them up, and placing them all throughout Beverly Hills.
2: He must have made a killing, dude.
0: Is he still out there?
1: For a while he was doing all right, but I heard the IRS came down on him pretty hard. He skipped town and moved to Dallas with some girl he just knocked up. The bus still parked at my grandma's. The customer leaves the store and Farad disappears into the back room. Max and Trevor walk behind the counter find the small door slightly ajar, and walk inside.
0: Yo, Farad, what's up, homie?
1: I'm good, brother. How's things?
0: You know how it is, just out here hustling, best we can.
1: Yes, yes, of course. So, what do you have for me today?
0: I think you're gonna like this. We just picked it up. Max takes a Rolex watch out of his pocket and hands it to Farad.
1: Farad looks over the watch. Ah, I think we might have something here.
0: Farad places the watch up to his ear. He then walks over to a drawer and pulls out a magnifying glass. So what do you think? Is it real?
1: Well, the etching on the crown looks good. The cyclops lens seems to be genuine. Second hand is running smoothly. So, yeah, i say it's real, man. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about, Farad. So what can you give us for it? Boys, there is a lot of competition out there. So many fakes make it a hard sell. Guys are weary of laying down the big moolah for a Rolex right now.
0: The best I can do is too large. Oh, come on, Farad. Don't treat me like that. You said it yourself. It's real.
1: It is, man. But it's not top of the line. If it were Daytona, maybe. Remember, I have to make my share, too. Rent out here does not come cheap.
0: Fuck, man. I might as well just take it to the pawn shop down the street.
1: And they'll rape you. Bend you over real nice. Pay you only for the metal least i'm fair with my prices all right fuck it
0: farad sets the watch down and leaves the room to go get some cash farad walks back into the room holding an envelope
1: listen guys what do you know about dinosaurs
0: huh like the shit over in the tar pits
1: yes fossils fossils Last time when we saw Mickey and Ronnie, they were visiting Stacy at her apartment, but they didn't get far thanks to Stacy's dad, Bob.
0: He sent them packing, and the next day, Mickey reported back to Vinny. Vinny was still thinking about where he'd seen Bob's face before, and for the life of him, he couldn't remember. Although, there were bigger things on his mind.
1: I've had it up to my fucking ears, Mickey. Frankie's been tearing me a new one. I need you to find this fucking
0: envelope. Boss, we'll keep trying. Is this about the rat? What about fucking Rosso or Hollywood? Might be those guys.
1: Ronnie, often seen with Mickey, is alone today. He's driving, pulling up to a Baskin-Robbins ice cream shop, but it doesn't look open. The man inside sees Ronnie, Unlocks the door and opens it. It's none other than PCO, our plain clothes officer.
0: Wow, look at you, Sunshine.
1: We need to talk, man.
0: Come on, get in here.
1: Look, Vincent can have me whacked any fucking day. They know, okay? I am fucked.
0: Hang in there, brother. It's not as bad as you think
1: he keeps telling me i look like a rat man he's torturing me
0: you hear about this envelope well don't worry about it we got it they don't have nothing we've got the envelope not them look i've got to get back to headquarters do you have anything you can give me now i'm getting pressed from above we need to bring this thing to a close
1: when Bob had the conversation with his friend about the envelope, we learned a few things. We learned that John Stone gave Stacy this envelope as a kind of lifeline.
0: And it had one name on a piece of paper inside, the name James Ricci. Bob also told his friend that the picture of James Ricci was a guy he had seen with the Italians outside the Rhino Strip Club.
1: And in our last episode, when Bob met Mickey and Ronnie outside Stacy's, he recognized one of them as the guy in the photo. So it turns out, Ronnie is the one working undercover as part of the Italian mafia in LA. And he's been meeting with PCO off and on.
0: In fact, John Stone was hungover and hungry when he accidentally saw one of these meetings that led him to find out that the Italians had a rat and that it was Ronnie who was working undercover.
1: That's right. John Stone saw Ronnie meeting with PCO in a fast food parking lot. So when John saw one of the Italians, Ronnie, working with someone he knew was a cop, he figured he'd use that information to his advantage.
0: And that, along with a few other things, got John Stone killed. He tried to blackmail the Italians With the name of an informant, Mickey, in fact, was the main man, the guy Vinny and the other Italians could count on, and Ronnie, he was the rat. Sorry I missed your call, Dad. Been busy, getting ready for my new role. I haven't told you about it, but it's like huge. I'm going to be a star. Listen, I got your message. John mostly spent his time in Van Nuys. That's where his office was. I know his other two dealerships were much smaller. Tell Mom I'm going to call her soon. I promise. Bye. Bob erases the
1: message on the answering machine. Then he turns his head to see his wife standing there in her pajamas, shaking her head, annoyed. Well, that looks to be all the time we have today, folks.
0: We hope you enjoyed the program so far, and we hope to see you again next week. So
1: forget all the cheap imitations. Keep it real with us. How to survive in L.A.